Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Let me be the first one to personally welcome you either for the first time or for your return to The Last Symptom. Today, we're going to jaw around a bit about when life problems seem to persist, even though you might feel like you're working hard on your recovery. Also, we're going to talk for a bit about why I'm qualified to be talking to folks about different types of borderline personality disorder. The presumption being that I personally had one kind, and there are people out there with different kinds. Before we get into all that, by golly, I'm glad to see you. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of this here show. And well, I just couldn't be more tickled that you're here. We've got a lot to talk about, you and I. Before we get our hands all dirty, let me tell you about thelastsymptom.com. That is my super duper website full of free resources for people hoping to get better from borderline personality disorder and emotional disorders in general. So once we've finished up here, be sure to skedaddle on over there and take advantage of all that stuff over at thelastsymptom.com. There are some paid services over there too, and they go a long way in helping me do what I do. For example, I rent out my time for one-on-one phone conversations. If you'd like to take advantage of that, maybe I can help you figure some things out in your own circumstances in life. Also, donations make up a very important part of the last symptoms operations. Everything that you want to schedule or take care of can be done right at thelastsymptom.com. Now let's get into today's topics. Uh, The first topic, problems in life persistence. So you've been in recovery. You've been listening to the Last Symptom podcast. You've been doing everything you think is right. And yet, life is not all rainbows and unicorns. And you're wondering, what the heck is going on? Uh, I'm still suffering. I've still got uh, all of these lousy behaviors, all this chaotic emotional turmoil. My kids hate me. Uh, The courts are still coming after me. I've still got unpaid bills. (laughs) I've got all these problems in life that are still persistent. So why? Why are these problems still persistent? Well, it could be for several different reasons. Uh, Number one, you haven't hit rock bottom yet. In other words, you haven't achieved the correct measure of genuine motivation. Maybe you're doing it at the behest of a a girlfriend or something. 
That's one possibility. Remember, we all have different pain tolerances. Some people's rock bottom can be something as simple as looking at a photograph. Looking at a photograph and rethinking your life. I know it's hard to imagine that that could be somebody's rock bottom. But what is rock? What is hitting rock bottom? Hitting rock bottom is simply anything that allows us to get into the right mindset to experience genuine motivation to change, to work on ourselves, because we want to work on ourselves. So, for some people, it can be something as simple as looking at a photograph. But because we all have different pain tolerances, we're all in different circumstances. Some people's rock bottom, unfortunately, is death. The actor and comedian Chris Farley, for example, went to rehab a hundred times. I think he literally went to rehab a hundred times, if not a hundred, something like that, a really high number from what I've read. But what was his rock bottom? His eventual rock bottom was a fatal overdose on an apartment floor. So, it could be that you just haven't truly hit rock bottom. You're not genuinely motivated. You might be superficially going through the steps of recovery, doing all the right things. But you see, recovery is not just a superficial series of steps that we carry out. It's work that we're doing on ourselves on the inside. That, that's what's most important. So that is just, that's one possibility. You haven't achieved the correct measure of genuine motivation. Number two, another possibility, is that one still enjoys the benefits. You know, I say that in air quotes. One still enjoys the benefits the imaginary benefits, let's say, the the unhealthy, delusional idea of benefits of being emotionally unhealthy. That may be a hard one to understand, but it really just means that the enjoyment of being able to live without boundaries and structure is more appealing than the thought of a structured, healthy life. So that's another possibility. One still enjoys the benefits, quote-unquote, of being emotionally unhealthy too much. The third possibility. One may unconsciously or subconsciously believe, secretly, that achieving authentic recovery is impossible. Let me say that again. One may unconsciously or subconsciously believe secretly that achieving authentic recovery is impossible. Why is this so important? It's important because as human beings, we are incapable, incapable of generating genuine motivation for any effort that we secretly perceive is a total waste of time. So, let me read it one more time, knowing now what you know. One may unconsciously or subconsciously believe secretly that achieving authentic recovery is impossible. 
do you see how if that is your perspective, you're incapable then of generating any measure of genuine motivation toward your recovery because we're unable as people to generate genuine motivation for any effort that we secretly perceive as a total waste of time. The number four possibility of what is happening is that recovery takes time. So maybe a person's just not allowing for the time that's necessary. And maybe they're being overly harsh with themselves or being unreasonable with his or her expectations. Remember, it took me, Brian Barnett, at least seven years. So what we're talking about here may be like a person who weighs 500 pounds who begins a diet and because they don't fit into their bikini after the first week of dieting, they start to feel like it's all lost cause. So the person may just need to adjust their expectations and move the bikini fitting further down the calendar. Number five, the fifth possibility, and I think probably the most important to sit around and meditate about afterwards, is this. Just because we begin to live differently does not mean that the consequences of our past thinking and behaviors are not still in motion. Let me repeat that. Just because we begin to live differently does not mean that the consequences of our past thinking and behaviors are not still in motion. Consequences may still continue to catch up with us long after we're doing things differently. But healthy people accept the consequences gracefully. Even though most consequences aren't in any way enjoyable, so gracefully doesn't necessarily mean joyfully. It just means gracefully, with grace. We recognize that uh, these consequences are a natural result of our past wrong thinking or actions, that they've caught up to us, or maybe they just haven't yet run their course, and we accept them. For example, parents, your children may continue to hate you for years. And this might be a natural consequence of your past unhealthy thinking or perspectives and behaviors. Even though you're fixing it, the consequences of your past thinking and invalidating behaviors don't simply disappear. So it's important then to accept that your kids have a right to feel the way they feel, and you can regret that, keep working and focusing on yourself, and hope that in time you'll begin to see the positive consequences of your new healthy efforts and living. And this might, it might, include forgiveness from your children and the repair of your relationship with them. One thing I know for sure is that eventually the consequences for all mistakes run their course. They do run out, even if it takes years. And then what you're left with is only the benefits, which are also consequences, you know. The benefits of your new healthy thinking 
and your healthy way of living. So that covers the subject of problems in life persisting, even though you're going through recovery. It's not meant to discourage you. It's meant to be an honest look at some possibilities of what might be going on so that uh, you can address those things positively. Now, how about you and I get into the second part of our discussion for today? And that is why I, Brian Barnett, am qualified to talk about different types, quote unquote, of borderline personality disorder. The presumption being that I personally had one kind and that there are people out there with different kinds. This article is available over at thelastsymptom.com. I wrote it this week, and I thought that we would just go over it together. So, what qualifies you to talk about different types of borderline personality disorder, Mr. Brian High and Mighty Barnett? Well, the question is an example of a logical fallacy. It assumes that the symptoms of a disorder, the ways in which it becomes manifest to others on the outside is what is relevant rather than the cause underlying it. This isn't necessarily the fault of anybody who might be asking themselves this question. I personally place the fault at the feet of the incompetence of the professional community as a group. Remember, when I talk about the professional community as a group, I'm not talking about every member of that group. There are some excellent therapists and excellent psychologists, but the professional community as a group is incompetent to the point where they come up with terms like quiet borderline in the first place. Have you heard that expression, quiet borderline? So there's one type of borderline, right? Now there's quiet borderline. And there's uh, different severities, according to the professional community. There's a spectrum, some imaginary spectrum, and you fall somewhere on that spectrum, right? Well, by coming up with these terms and these concepts, the professional community, either intentionally or unintentionally, promote at least three false concepts in the minds of those who believe them in just this one area alone. And it doesn't matter if they're doing it intentionally or unintentionally because they're still in an elevated, trusted position where these sorts of things are really inexcusable. So what three false concepts in the minds of those who believe the professional community as a group are they promoting? Number one, that the way borderline personality disorder behaves is more relevant than what causes it. It's not. Number two, because it behaves differently for different people in subtle ways, there must be different types and severities of borderline personality disorder. There ain't. Number three, that your disorder is an inherent part of you because according to them, you're not a person with a disorder. No. According to them, you are a quiet borderline, as if the professional community has stumbled upon a new race of human being, and this is the classification you fall into. So now good luck 
being motivated to try to fix what you now perceive yourself simply to be. Here's the bottom line. Borderline personality disorder and, in fact, no emotional disorder is defined by its symptoms, that is, the way it behaves, whatever way, subtle or not, that it might manifest. Instead, borderline personality disorder is defined by its cause. The cause of borderline personality disorder is the same cause for everybody. You say, well, how can that be? Some people are loud and obnoxious with it, and others seem to blend right into society, don't they? Until, (laughs) until they get into certain circumstances where their inaccurate underlying perceptions clash with life in ways that was never an issue before. Then they don't blend into society so well, do they? People are individuals. People's circumstances are unique. Some people are in more stable life situations, and others are in less stable life situations. What does that mean? Stress is what it means. So, some of these people with borderline personality disorder are enduring very stressful situations, and other people with the cushy life are probably not enduring situations that are quite as stressful. Furthermore, your ideals of class and appropriate behaviors may not be the same ideals I was raised with. Folks from a hillbilly family like myself are not going to worry about presenting the same front to the world as the person with borderline personality disorder who comes from a family on Martha's Vineyard. A blue-collar worker is probably not going to go around exhibiting borderline personality disorder in quite the same way that a white-collar worker would. In his environment, he's working with a certain set of expectations, ain't he? And the blue-collar worker, the construction worker, he's working with an entirely different set of social expectations. Just yesterday, I spoke to a gentleman from the UK who engages in cutting behavior. Now, guess what I never did while I had borderline personality disorder? That's right. I never cut myself, on purpose, that is. Not even once. I say not on purpose because, (laughs) you know, every one of us with my cultural background, we grow up with pocket knives, and we whittle, and we do things with our knives, and sometimes we get careless and we accidentally cut ourselves. So I have cut myself, just not on purpose. The point is that the thought to cut myself on purpose never even occurred to me ever, even once, not even once. But what is this cutting behavior? It's just self-abuse. And where does it originate? It originates from a person not liking himself or herself. And not just dislike, but deep loathing, really. Because the person perceives himself or herself as inherently devoid of worth. You see how we, we go right back 
to the two distorted core beliefs of borderline personality disorder, the, the unhealthy, erroneous underlying perceptions that, that people with borderline personality disorder live with. My feelings are inherently irrelevant, shameful, devoid of worth, and so am I. So, self-abuse comes from deep self-loathing. Notice I'm not saying that the person simply feels like they've done something worthless or that they're having a worthless day. No, subconsciously or unconsciously, the perspective they live with regarding their own inherent nature as a person is that they naturally lack any worth at all on their own. So any sense of worth that they might get to enjoy has to come from external sources. What are some examples of external sources supplying a sense of worth? Well, a new hat is an external source. A compliment is another example. An accomplishment is another example. But all the while, who are these folks stuck with day in and day out? With themselves. It's like being assigned a tiny little windowless office at work that barely has enough room for two desks. And who do you get as your office partner? Well, you get the most irritating, obnoxious person in the entire company. So imagine now being stuck in this small, windowless office with the one person who you are more repulsed by than any other person. And you have to spend every day of your life trapped in this small space with him or her. Well, this is what is happening with anybody who has borderline personality disorder. They're stuck with themselves, and they deeply loathe themselves. They are ashamed and annoyed with themselves. But instead of being able to clock out at 5 p.m. and go home every evening to get away, they are stuck with this incredibly irritating and disappointing person for every minute of every day for forever. I was just, uh, I just told somebody the other day this expression that uh, I keep coming back to. Wherever you go, there you are. You know, that applies to when we're, we're constantly up and moving, changing locations, feeling like we want to be somewhere else move into one place, feel like we ruin our reputation, feel like uh, we've poisoned that well, so we're going to move on, right? Wherever you go, there you are. Now think about it. The more irritating and disappointing the person is that you're stuck in that little office with, the more painful this is for you. Because what people with borderline personality disorder, deeply crave beneath all of this is to be likable, lovable, and of value. So the irritating idiot they share the office with won't let them forget who they're stuck with. And this is where cutting comes in. It's born of hate and loathing and disappointment with oneself. Think about this. As people, we have no trouble mistreating things we perceive as worthless, do we? On the other hand, 
How do we treat things we genuinely like? If we genuinely like a person or a thing, we treat it very well, don't we? We don't even have to try. We just do treat it well because that is the natural result of genuinely liking a person or a thing. So it's not a big mystery where this cutting comes from. We, we only mistreat things that we, we dislike, not things that we like. Additionally, this cutting self-abuse serves a second purpose. The attention and concern it might generate is then an external form of validation, just like the hat, just like the compliment, just like the accomplishment. Remember, the person can't generate any sense of inner validation for himself or herself because he or she perceives himself or herself as being inherently without any natural value. That's their natural state. Any sense of value he or she gets to enjoy at all has to come from external sources. The concern of others is an external source of validation. But back to the fact that I never cut myself, not even once, on purpose, while I was living with borderline personality disorder. Does this mean that my borderline personality disorder was somehow different than the borderline personality disorder of somebody who does cut himself or herself? No. Remember, the way the disorder manifests is not what is relevant. What is the only thing that is relevant? The underlying cause. Now think about the underlying cause of the cutting behavior. Did I live with that same cause? Of course I did. Every single person who lives with borderline personality disorder lives with the underlying perception that they do not have inherent worth. Every single person with the disorder dislikes himself or herself deep down. Every single person with the disorder relies on external forms of validation in order to be able to enjoy any sense of self-worth at all. Have you ever wondered why so many people with borderline personality disorder are artists or are creative types? Well, now you know. The external attention, praise, and admiration from artistic accomplishments is something that can be regularly fed, like tossing timber into a steam locomotive. Unfortunately, there's not enough external validation in the universe to ever fill the inner emptiness that comes from being raised to believe that you do not possess inherent worth. You see, as soon as you stop feeding the locomotive, the train stops. As soon as you stop performing on stage, you go back to feeling worthless. As, as soon as you stop painting pictures and getting praise for your artistic accomplishments, you go back to feeling worthless. If cutting is simply a form of self-abuse that comes from the belief that one is worthless, what are other forms of self-abuse that come from the exact same cause? How about self-neglect? Yes, self-neglect 
is a form of self-abuse, and it comes from the exact same cause as the person who cuts himself. You see, we don't neglect things we genuinely care about or like, so simply failing to shower regularly can be in the exact same category as cutting. It can originate from the exact same cause. It's mistreatment born from the perspective that one doesn't deserve or merit being properly cared for. Failing to go to the dentist, punching or slapping yourself, getting a black eye and then having a hundred people ask you what happened. Failing to go to the doctor, not combing your hair, overeating, failing to be concerned about what you eat, drinking too much alcohol too often, smoking cigarettes, not getting your tires replaced on your car, even though they're worn down to the wires, only brushing your teeth once a week, not allowing yourself to get enough quality sleep, working too much and never allowing yourself any time for recreation or relaxation, never washing your hands, having sex with questionable partners, getting into relationships with those who we know aren't good for us, arriving late to work all the time, you know, putting your job at risk, putting ourselves in dangerous situations such as drinking alcohol and choosing to drive, all of these things. And I'm sure that if you sit and think about it, you could come up with a million more on your own are examples of either self-abuse or self-neglect, which is also just self-abuse. And they can all have the exact same cause, fueling them as the cutting behavior. So we said it at the beginning, but let's say it again. Borderline personality disorder is not defined by its symptoms. It's defined by its cause. What this means in reality is that there is no such thing as different types or different intensities of borderline personality disorder. There is no such thing as a spectrum. All people who have borderline personality disorder have it equally. There is no such thing as believing you're just a little bit devoid of inherent worth. People either live with the underlying certainty that their feelings are never good or bad, right or wrong, that feelings always matter, and that as human beings, we have inherent worth, which means nothing external has to supply us with that worth. We're just born with it. It comes with being a human being. Or... People do not live with these accurate, healthy beliefs. There's no scale of severity in real life separating those who have borderline personality disorder. This is imaginary contrived by people who do not know really what they're talking about. Differences in severity are external measurements dependent on some of the types of things I've mentioned throughout this article. Stability in one's life circumstances, stress, 
ideals of what is proper or acceptable, class, religious beliefs, culture, individuality, unique personality types. So the external measurements that the professional community seems to have a heart on for are not accurate representations of what is actually going on inside of people. Those are external measurements. Just real quick, you say, well, what about uh, your crisis, Barnett? You say that you had this big life crisis. What happened there? Didn't, that, didn't your borderline personality disorder get more intense? No, it didn't. My circumstances changed. I compare it like this. Um, imagine a guy riding a unicycle, and he's juggling oranges. Now, he starts off juggling three oranges. And let's say that the oranges represent responsibilities in life, obligations, stress. Now, the guy can ride the unicycle pretty well as long as he's just juggling three of those oranges. But what happens if we toss him a new orange every minute? Eventually, he's going to reach his limit, isn't he? And he's going to fall off the unicycle. So that's what happened with me in my life. As I got older, as my life got more complicated, my ways of managing the unhealthy beliefs that I already lived with began to get more and more complex. The disorder itself did not get more complex. My way of managing the outside world while maintaining the same underlying beliefs got more complex, you see? Eventually, I got too many oranges to, to juggle, and I fell off the unicycle. So that's our conversation for today about different types of borderline personality disorder. And I got reckoned by extension cutting and the underlying causes of that. And how until now, if you've been a person who says, well, I've never, I don't do that sort of thing. Now you can maybe look at your life and see where you do do that sort of thing, even if it's not cutting specifically. The underlying cause of the cutting Surely you're dealing with if you have borderline personality disorder and it's just translating into a different type of self-abuse. My friends, I want to remind you one last time about TheLastSymptom.com. I know I say it all the time, but I have to. Run over there. Take advantage of the information that's there and the resources there. Leave a donation or schedule a one-on-one -on -one phone conversation with me or sponsor a phone call for somebody else. That would be nice. Mm -hmm.